0: The Global Franchise Awards 2022 are now underway and you can enter your brand into one of our many diverse categories. This year, we've also introduced regional champion accolades, celebrating the very best of franchising, no matter where in the world your concept is based. For more information and to enter your brand today, head over to globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. Welcome to the Global Franchise podcast, bringing you exclusive interviews with the biggest names in the franchising industry. I'm Kieran McLoone, editor for Global Franchise magazine.
1: So first, I'd like to say we're seeing a sizable increase in those that were impacted directly or otherwise have lost faith in a job market, you know, where you can find yourself out of work after uh, so many years of, of loyal service. Uh, And this is creating a significant increase in the number of individuals that we're seeing that are now seeking franchise opportunities. Uh, Evidence of that from said Franchise Sales Index report is showing that for the first half of 2020, we're seeing right now a 19 plus percent increase in franchise sales leads compared to the last half of 2020.
0: Our guest today comes from an organization that should be familiar to many international franchisors. FranConnect is widely recognized as one of the leading systems for scaling franchise unit sales, with the business assisting in 8,022 franchises sold every year. This is just one of the many kinds of services that FranConnect offers, with franchisee engagement, unit profitability and support for emerging brands being other pillars holding up the organization. Today we're joined by Keith Gerson, President of Franchise Operations at FranConnect. Keith is a true veteran of the industry, having accumulated over 45 years of executive level expertise in the franchise sector. He's a respected thought leader, published author, and the perfect person to speak to about the franchise industry's latest
1: trends and challenges. You know, the, uh, the thing I love best about franchising hasn't changed in over uh, 40 years. It's just wonderful knowing that you make a difference, you know. We are, and I am in the business of creating jobs. And for many I've seen and and continue to see the uh, creation of wealth and satisfaction. And over the course of those four plus decades, I've known so many that have found their personal Nirvana. I mean, some were pursuing wealth and stability, uh, but for other franchisees, I've seen many more of them that were able to create a legacy for their families or an opportunity to make their children's recitals and ball games and participate in family events that they often missed because they were uh, traveling for a uh, corporation. So I just think it's uh, incredibly uh, fulfilling. But we, we work directly also with franchisors. And so it's also uh, fulfilling uh, knowing that we're making a difference in supporting those franchisors and helping their franchisees with technologies and systems and processes and best practices that allows them to uh, create and keep customers and keep them coming back. So it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful business model.
0: That's very good to hear. And um, uh, on that sort of note of people pursuing their own nirvana, um, I just imagine that we're going to see a lot more of this uh, throughout the rest of this year and next year, as you know, the the pandemic over the previous eighteen months or so has really shown a lot of people that they can be their own boss. And uh, at FranConnect, I know that you guys, you know, franchise recruitment is a really big pillar of the kind of services that you offer. And I was wondering, Keith, whether you'd be able to give us some kind of insight into what you think are some of the the main trends in franchise recruitment,
1: both at the moment and also moving forward into the coming years? Yeah, for the past eight years, I've been creating a franchise sales index report, and I actually just finished one for the first half of 2021 compared to the second half of 2020. So first I'd like to say we're seeing a sizable increase in those that were impacted directly or otherwise have lost faith in a job market, you know, where you can find yourself out of work after uh, so many years of of loyal service. Uh, And this is creating a significant increase in the number of individuals that we're seeing that are now seeking franchise opportunities. Uh, Evidence of that from said Franchise Sales Index report is showing that for the first half of 2020, we're seeing right now a 19 plus percent increase in franchise sales leads compared to the last half of 2020. And we believe that a lot of that is the result of many who just lost their jobs or, again, uh, the their faith in the companies that they were working with during the uh, the pandemic, uh, given the high number of unemployment we were experiencing. So even as it's coming back, it doesn't seem to have dampered anyone's enthusiasms to say this is really a time for change and let's make it a, an important one. Uh, if I may, another uh, trend in franchise uh, recruitment is that we're seeing that uh, technology, some new technology, is finding its way into franchise recruitment departments, uh, such as with uh, AI-driven conversational bots uh, aided by advanced workflows. And uh, even though the, uh, the technology has been around a bit, we're seeing it applied in ways now that are helping uh, the franchisors that are selling these franchises to resolve the long-standing problems with uh, Speed to the Lead. Uh, When we did an analysis of uh, over 900 franchise brands, we found that, uh, this is an interesting fact, that 82% of all sales that were achieved were those that were contacted and engaged with in four hours or less. On the other hand, though, we also found that 76% of uh, the leads were not contacted within that uh, that timeframe. And the reason for that is that 68% of all the leads are coming in during the evenings and weekends and holidays. So with the AI capabilities from the smart bots, it's enabling them to immediately now reach out through the technology to connect with a lead, to carry on very human-like conversations that are uh, designed for the purpose of booking appointments and nurturing them to make sure that they actually make uh, show up for those appointments. Because in the reports, we're also seeing that 40% of those that made appointments are failing to uh, keep those appointments. So I think that that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, development we're seeing that's really so- solving so many issues and s- significantly increasing the amount of uh, deals that are uh, now being booked without any increase in lead spend.
0: Yeah, that's some incredibly um, significant findings. And as you say, it you know, it'd be very useful for franchisors to know to really maximize their uh, the potential of those leads moving forward. Um, and kind of on the flip side of that, Franchisors, of course, are going to be experiencing a real flurry of franchise applications from individuals who, as we've mentioned, are maybe looking for a more entrepreneurial life, want to pursue their own nirvana, as you said. Um, What are some of the key things that you think that franchisors could do um, to to qualify those leads to ensure that they're kind of really getting the best possible
1: uh, franchisees to broaden their networks? Well, we see that the top reason for business failures is... um mostly always a result of undercapitalization. So I think it's very important for franchise um, franchisors to be uh, looking and ensuring uh, that there is enough capital to be able to take them through the uh, startup period. Uh, and that should be anywhere from at least a minimum of three months of working capital to about six months. I think that they should be screening for people that are doing this more than just about making money um, the best franchisees in the business are those that end up having a passion for what it is that they're, uh, they're doing and believing that they're uh, really uh, making a, a difference on this uh, planet uh, by, by doing it, whatever that might be. Um, managerial skills are so important. You know, when you're an employee, you're paid for what you do. But when you're the franchisee, your earnings are based on your ability uh, to help manage uh, other people to ensure that they do what they're supposed to do. So a large part of that, of course, also suggests that they need to have excellent communication skills. And finally, I'd say I'd look for candidates that aren't doing this so that they can deliver services personally. You know, for example, you know, Aunt Sally loves to make pies and now she's going to become a pie making franchisee. You need somebody that is willing to really get out into the community, someone that has demonstrated that willingness in their lives. Uh, and are not uh, going to be stuck behind a counter or stuck behind a desk. I think that this goes back to uh, a famous uh, saying of uh, Peter Drucker, who said the purpose of business is the making and keeping of customers. So that really needs to be, I think, a big uh, focus.
0: Yeah, some very, very evergreen um, skills there, but ones which, as you say, are invaluable and franchisors can't afford to overlook when qualifying those leads. Um, I know that one of the other one of the other main pillars of FranConnect's kind of um, service offering is the fact that you aim to increase unit revenue and improve uh, unit profitability of existing franchise units where franchisors may want to, you know, improve what they already have as opposed to bring on new talent with the recruitment side of things. Um, I appreciate that that's probably quite A case by case, very bespoke model that you offer there. But are there some kind of go to pieces of advice that you would impart on franchisors to achieve those goals of increasing unit revenue and
1: unit profitability? Yes, I I would say that I would encourage franchisors to go back and revisit the table of contents uh, in their initial training programs. You know, I have seen over the years that you'll have franchisors that will have one or two week training programs. Uh, But if you actually were to analyze how many hours are spent towards the topic of customer creation and retention, you'll see that it could literally be just two hours out of a two-week program, uh, which you just need to make sure if you believe that that is one of the very most important things, then make sure that your uh, training time is in alignment uh, with that. Uh, It may be a cliche, but uh, I believe that uh, in my experience, volume can cover a multitude of sins. But this the Making of customers that uh, come back and spend more money, et cetera, uh, is, is really going to uh, help keep you out of uh, trouble when it comes to other uh, challenges. You know, uh, Though I know right now uh, one of the biggest uh, challenges people are having is in the area of uh, labor and recruiting, a lot of uh, short staffing of positions. But um, going on with that focus on unit revenue and improving unit profitability, I would say you need to know your KPIs, your key performance indicators cold. So many have KPIs that are made up of lagging indicators, such as sales and profits, which you know come after the fact, whereas leading indicators are going to be things like your customer counts, uh, having a, a handle on your average ticket, your net promoter customer satisfaction scores, etc. And when it comes to profitability, don't just collect top-line sales for royalty calculation purposes. Collect P&Ls and have your franchise business consultants or your support team review them with your franchisees on a monthly basis. To that end, we're using our technology uh, in the form of a a command center, if you will, a single pane of glass uh, in which it breaks down the most important metrics that are trackable in real time and that are role-based so whether it's a command center for your franchisees to be keeping track of some of those kpis i was talking about there's also command centers for your franchise business consultants your chief operating officer etc and each has their own view of what they deem to be most important but you know inspect what you expect and do it regularly uh, the the final thing i would say about increasing you at, uh, revenue and improving unit profitability is have playbooks that are essentially there so that one has a specific challenge related to, let's say, customer experience and declining traffic. The playbook is going to be made up of best practices that can be assigned to a franchisee that is regularly reviewed to ensure execution. This also leverages what the most effective coaches in the organizations to address performance-related problems and ensures that everyone can function with the skills of your best performers whether it's you know coming from your fbcs or your top franchisees who have already solved for these issues so playbooks i think are critical which just basically says everybody has data but now you need to make sure that you can actionalize around that data
0: yeah, real um a real mini masterclass there. And um and on that note of kind of improving uh, your existing locations, I know a big talking point at the minute and something that Frank Connect has touched on in your studies is uh the idea of franchise business coaches, whether that's external individuals coming in or kind of more peer to peer support among franchisees. Um I was curious Keith what your kind of take was on the significance of franchise business coaches, and secondary to that, um, what kind of role they should play when working with a franchisee, whether that's quite a a hands-on position or more of a sidelined, almost advisory perspective? Well, I think
1: that that's one of the the most important questions that you're raising here. I mean, franchisees join franchise organizations because they uh, inherently know that they don't necessarily have all of the skill sets that are required to make it. And they're really counting on you to provide them with the insights. And it's not just going to be the times in which there is a need for conversations that are, you know, hey, congratulations on the great job you're doing here, or you might want to do this. What happens so many times is a franchise business consultant will provide some form of communication, uh, coaching, whether it's live, whether or not it's over, um, you know, a, a technology, whether it's an email communication. Uh, but then they'll walk away from it and wonder why didn't performance change? So I think that it's the most effective, uh, or the most important role in the organization is to have those franchise business consultants receive proper training, not only on how to execute the fundamentals of the business, that's really the ante, if you will, into the, uh, the poker game, so to speak. But arguably more important is learning how to coach for improved business performance. Franchise business consultant training, therefore, I believe should consist of understanding behavior, improving communications, learning how to conduct a coaching analysis so you understand really what the root cause is, and then problem resolution. So so many times, franchise business consultants are ready to tell a franchisee how to solve a problem, only to leave and discover that the reason the change never took place is because the coaches never got an acknowledgement from the franchisee that they believe that a problem actually exists before trying to uh, solve the other uh, problem. Uh, the words, I agree we have a problem, needs to come out of the mouth of the franchisee before any lasting change is gonna occur. So therefore, I really recommend to franchisors that they reevaluate their FBC training programs to ensure that their FBCs can truly make a difference. And when it comes to that other uh, question you know, about the, the, the types of coaching, I believe that when you're working with a franchisee, it's very situational. Uh, We might say it's not only different strokes for different folks, but there are certain times that it's going to be different strokes for the same folks because business and people continue to evolve. So therefore, I think that the answer is it is going to be a blend of both uh, hands-on as well as advisory. My feeling about the hands-on part is that's what's used when a franchisee has never really done or mastered a task before, Whereas the advisory approach or the real coaching approach is where the franchisees can actually do something, but they're choosing not to. And, uh, and it, uh, it may not necessarily require retraining. It may require just learning how to have, uh, you know, these difficult coaching conversations. Uh, therefore, I, I will suggest to the, uh, the listeners here that uh, they consider a book that's called Coaching for Improved Work Performance. Uh, It was written by a man named Ferdinand F. Fournier, F-O-U-R-N-I-E-S. I Uh, I think I discovered that uh, book back in the uh, the 80s, but I have to tell you that it has absolutely shaped my abilities as a a coach in terms of being able to improve uh, franchisee uh, performance.
0: Right. So it sounds like with a lot of you've been speaking about is is ultimately very much about having that open dialogue to make sure that almost beforehand, everybody is aligned on the the outcomes of coaching so that, you know, the franchisee understands what's expected of them and the coach themselves understands what kind of support they need to provide to to reach that desired
1: outcome. Well, well, well said. And I I might add to that end. Therefore, it's best really to be there to support your franchisees and the development of their goals and business plans, because frankly, they're going to be inclined more to follow their own goals and their own desires than one that you might assign to them. So be there to support them, uh, be there to review them frequently, but it really has to uh, come from the uh, the minds and the mouths of the, of the franchisees in terms of what those goals and objectives are and uh, to get uh, their, their commitment. They're not your employees, after all.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think that comes back to a point you made earlier: is that you know uh, the franchisee having that passion to want to to succeed beyond a commercial angle, you know, really uh, would drive them to want to to really uh, improve the, what their their operation is like via that um, franchise business coaching. Um, the the final topic I wanted to speak with you about, Keith, is something that I know that Frank Connect is also very, um, very involved with, and that's uh, kind of emerging franchise brands, new brands coming into the industry to really try and carve out their own niche within the market. Um, but... You know, anyone looking at the industry nowadays will recognize that not just in sectors like food and beverage, but fitness and home services and any kinds of industry you can imagine, uh, particularly in the States, you know, there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of brands coming up, um, and everyone's vying for the same pool of customers. Um, And I was curious, Keith, what your take was on whether you think that there's space in the market for a new brand in, for example, the f industry, or whether it's becoming increasingly difficult for franchises to stand out among competitors, both when recruiting franchisees, but also um, when trying to
1: appeal to customers. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're seeing in the other uh, states uh, on an annual basis, there's about 350 or so franchisees that come into existence every single uh, year. And yet the uh, the net number of uh, franchises that exist don't seem to be expanding. So, you know, businesses come into existence, they go out. Now, everybody who is uh, opening up a new franchise is not necessarily operationalizing them. Some people are, you know, we see some big corporations, you know, that will go ahead and um, set up a franchise agreement, but never necessarily uh, execute upon it. So I'm not implying that there are these uh, horrific uh, failure rates, but I'm actually finding that there is plenty of room for emerging brands providing that they are differentiated, that they can deliver a superior customer experience. I can tell you that younger generations are looking to discover new brands uh, and many are just not interested in their uh, parents' you know favorite uh, concepts of uh, days gone by. Uh, an example of differentiation, Uh, And I don't even know these folks, and we don't work with these folks, but I just saw a new concept called Fetch Park. And it's a a dog park bar membership system where dog owners can take their dogs into this safe environment, you know, uh, where they have bark rangers. uh, They have toys. They've got uh, controlled environments like, you know, with uh, heated sections and air-conditioned sections. But there's also um, a uh, streamlined uh, trailer that is set up as a, a full Funky kind of a bar. Uh, it's a very social environment. Great lighting, uh, painted murals, uh, and and again, it's a membership based uh, system. There's nothing like that that I've seen around here. I think that that's going to be the type of a concept that is really going to uh, to appeal. So uh, yeah, I would have to say at the at the end of the day that um, with a number of the brands that we were working with, and I'm not sure how many of these uh, that your listeners would be aware of, but we, you know we started working with a fitness concept. Not all that many years ago called Orange Theory Fitness. I don't know again if, if if where your listeners are based, if they're familiar with that, but they've grown to well over a thousand locations, and they've done it just in a, a matter of I would say ten short years. So we all had to start somewhere, but I'm seeing a lot of these concepts, again, when they're well executed, they're really highly differentiated. they're exciting, adventurous new tastes and experiences. Uh, are really uh, really starting to uh, get traction.
0: And, uh, and my final question for you, kind of off the back of that, Keith, and I imagine this is, this is a question you get asked many times a day, um, which again, I appreciate is probably quite a, a case-by-case kind of uh, bespoke approach. But um, how do you think that emerging brands, arguably regardless of sector, can differentiate themselves? How can they compete with the big players to uh, attract the top franchisee talent?
1: Good question. You know, I can insert myself in this because some of the things I'm talking about is where and how, despite the fact that, you know, I've had successful careers with very large brands, you know, such as McDonald's restaurants, etc., cetera, ended up and have actually in my career have worked with uh, very small emerging brands. First, as I said, again, um, it's important to really feel like you're making a, a difference on this planet. Um, so I'm attracted and I know other top franchisees are, more and more these days to knowing that what you're doing really uh, makes a difference in somebody's life. And that means I think that you need to uh, share the company's why at every opportunity. I think if it's a startup, uh, often allowing a potential for key executives to participate in what we call sweat equity, earned over time can help attract top uh, talent. One needs to make sure that uh, salaries are competitive. I think um, a focus on establishing and maintaining diversity now more than ever Because a diverse and a healthy and an innovative and an inspiring workplace, I think attracts uh, talent and and, uh, retains them. And I think focus on the company's culture. You know, a lot of people give lip service to culture, but the bottom line is if your environment is enjoyable, if it focuses on collaboration, connections, I think you're going to create a sense of belonging that key talent will want to be a, a part of. Those, at least for me personally, resonate. And I think that they do for, uh, for many. Yes,
0: yeah, some very actionable advice there for, for emerging brands, which I'm sure they'll find very useful. Well, thank you for, for joining us on this episode of the podcast, Keith. It's been really great speaking with you and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next from Frank Connect as we move forward this year.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure meeting you and thank you for the opportunity to address your audience. Keith
0: established his perspective on franchising from the moment we started recording. That being that the best examples of the business model are those that strive to make a difference as well as making a profit. Franconnect can quite easily assist with the second part, but brands themselves need to be on board for holistic positivity if they're going to stand the test of time. It was also very interesting to hear Keith's thoughts on emerging franchise concepts. It's easy to assume that there's simply no more room in the market for a new brand to come up as a competitor, but the truth is that a younger demographic is looking for fresh, new experiences. This leaves the door open for emerging brands that can deliver an exciting new experience while putting well-being and personal growth at the forefront. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. How have you managed to differentiate your emerging brand so that it attracts both savvy consumers as well as talented investors? Make sure to let us know.
1: If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the Global Franchise Experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com And follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.